Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Danny of the podcast Gay Gals Watch to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 5 episode titled Alex in Wonderland. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Danny. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, I, I think you've been a listener for many years and have sent us lots of feedback, so thank you very much for that. Uh, I just realized you had a podcast because Morgan was on it, and it was an <laughs> excellent episode, uh, even discussing Legends, which I don't watch, but I listen to the podcast, so I kind of could <laughs> hang in with the, the discussion. So uh, it was a great, great listen, so highly recommend everybody go check it out. I feel like we have some synergy going on here. <laughs> we, we do. So I was like, well, we got to get Danny on the podcast. Uh, so, but, but before we start talking about this week's episode, Alex in Wonderland, uh, since we like to, uh, ask our first time guests how they encountered the character of Supergirl, do you, do you remember when that was, Danny, when you first either heard about Supergirl or saw Supergirl for the first time? I do, and I'm a little embarrassed about it because I saw the 1984 movie in the theater when I was six years old, and I distinctly remember seeing it. Wow, yeah. No, I I mean, I grew up watching Supergirl the movie when I was a kid, because I guess it aired on, like, Showtime or something, some sort of syndicated broadcast. And uh, so I I watched it all the time as a kid. Do you remember what it was that you rem- remember in the theater? Was there, like, a specific scene or a moment that stuck out to you? Well, I remember... The costume, and because I grew up watching Superman, the movies, uh, with my older brother, and then I just remember the first time she came on screen in the costume, and I was like, wow, it's a lady Superman, and I remember (laughs) being six years old, and that's what I thought, and then I think I remember the very ending... I don't know. Is that a spoiler alert if it's 1984, I guess? I mean, it's a spoiler for Morgan because uh, she has not seen Supergirl, the movie, and we have to correct that this summer because uh, that I'm that shamed. is yeah I'm we're going to shame you until this happens uh so I guess if you want to uh give us a generic description without having to spoil it if that's possible <laughs> I basically just remember the what happens at the end because okay. for some reason that just stuck out in my brain and same thing I mean I think it came on HBO or Showtime and my family had a VCR and so of course they taped it and so that's how I watched it uh, growing up was the probably the not quite legal taping of on HBO. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's what everybody did back then. You just recorded stuff off Showtime. That's what you did. Oh yeah, totally. That's what we did. I mean, don't tell anybody. 
Um, yeah, no, I can I can understand the ending of Supergirl. The movie is very memorable. It's very unique <laughs> in what happens in that movie. So uh, Morgan has a lot to look forward to. I will just say that I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll see lots of um, Argo Argo City uh, comfort wear that I know you'll you'll yes. be excited about. <laughs> that I, that's the tie-in product that I want most from Supergirl. The like the Argo City loungewear, especially <laughs> especially right now during our quarantine. <laughs> I would I'd be Argo Citying it up. <laughs> I mean, it does look, definitely look comfortable. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, they were chill on Argo. Well, that is a great memory, and I'm glad that was your first experience uh, with Supergirl because that's a good one. People, people, you know, poo-poo that movie, but there's some good things about it. All right, well, I guess we should get to talking about this week's episode of Supergirl, Alex in Wonderland. So here is the official description. Quote, Alex uses a pair of obsidian contact lenses to visit a virtual national city where she takes on a whole new persona. Meanwhile, Kelly helps William investigate Lex. Kara deals with difficult news, unquote. Uh, the Kara the thing feels like an afterthought here. I feel like I feel like that was commentary by our episode description writer. <laughs> <laughs> who, was like, who was just like, technically, Kara was in this one. <laughs> she was in for like two minutes tops, maybe. So, Well, technically, this is the uh, directing prep episode for Melissa Benoist, who will direct the episode uh, next time around. So I guess that's uh sort of acceptable but it's it's not like they've been doing this uh for a, a long time now so i i have mixed feelings on it um so danny since you are our guest this week um i know that you know that we uh have talked a lot about jeremiah danvers on supergirl radio <laughs> and uh the the what what has happened uh from the show's perspective so what do you think about all of this uh the fallout of the death of jeremiah danvers and how, how did you think what did you think about the way that the show addressed all of that i thought jeremiah was still running around the woods somewhere so <laughs> to find out that he wasn't was kind of a shock to me it's interesting um so i tried to go back and watch the last episode dean kane was in which if you don't remember it was exodus which is i mean every supergirl fan i i think it's okay for to speak for everybody but it is one of the best episodes of supergirl that's the one where alex and supergirl you know touch their hands against the glass when cars mm -hmm. trying to stop oh, the spaceship that's a good one so i i don't morgan we may have sort of misremembered what happened at the end of Alex uh, at uh, Jeremiah Danvers's run on the show. So at one point he was running in the woods. At one point okay. Alex Yeah, yeah, right? Alex did <laughs> leave him in the woods somewhere. But <laughs> but the the final episode Dean Kane was in, the last time we ever see Jeremiah Danvers, he's fighting <laughs> Cyborg Superman, if you remember that, uh, cuz that was the thing that happened. Uh, he was fighting Cyborg Superman, and then he just, like, gets pushed off screen, and that's, like, the last we ever see of him. <laughs> really? Yes. So I haven't watched Exodus in a while, um, but that's amazing. <laughs> I just like the idea of him just being like, Alex, come find me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's like, don't worry, I'll never forget you. <laughs> it just it just was weird. That I went back and watched that, and I was like, oh. That was really the last time we saw him. It was just, it was very strange. Um, so Danny, what what did you think about all that? Because we found out that he was like 
living in the Peruvian Andes or some some nonsense? I mean, how did how did you think that lined up with what we saw previously? I guess I could see where they were going. You know, they were going with it because they were trying to redeem Jeremiah after he, you know, was playing the turncoat. But they kind of missed a couple of seasons of character development in between to get from turncoat to helping alien refugees in the Andes and dies of a heart attack. <laughs> it, se- it did seem like a stretch. So Morgan, what are your thoughts on this? Like they couldn't even have him send a postcard. Like they could have had like seasons of postcards <laughs> from Jeremiah Danvers. And this one is just like, like Alex opens it up and it's like, Alex, first off, don't come find me. Don't even look. Maybe just go about your regular life. Just, just date around. Think about having a kid. Don't. And then, like, the next postcard is like, you know what? Maybe being a turncoat wasn't such a good idea. I'm I'm rethinking some things. And then, like, <laughs> by postcard, like, 50, then he's like, I'm helping these people out. And, ooh, I feel a twinge. And then we could have really gotten <laughs> the full character journey off screen. No, it was just, it was so weird. So I guess my, I had a lot of questions about the things that were brought up about Jeremiah and Alex. Like, it just, it seemed a little bit, I was like, was that their relationship? It seemed, I had to, like, go back and, like, really throw my mind back. Like, back and back and back. Because the way that she was sort of describing him in that, in those, op- at least the opening scenes. Like, when, a little later in the episode when she talks about how, like, she had to raise her sister and she had to, like, look out for her mom. All that stuff tracked for me. Yeah. But the opening scenes where she was like, he just, he just like ran off and like blah, 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 blah. And this, and I was like, yeah, but like, weren't you going to go look for him because you wanted to really like help him? Did, did Christ in this post-crisis, post-Amade universe, did that happen? That was my question. Why didn't Alex search for him at all? And then she gets pissed because he's didn't go find her I don't it was it was very out of character to me and I was yeah. very confused on what was going on I think that was my my uh, like huge question because she's she starts like the she starts the episode coming in hot like <laughs> oh he left he left me Oh, did he? Did he? Uh, she's like he left me and he like you know he never came back and he never looked for me and I was like you were supposed to look for him like I don't <laughs> she really flipped that on his head I was like did I remember everything about this storyline wrong like have I been doing Alex dirty for like two seasons <laughs> Well, like, one of them is part of an organization that has the power to find people, and the other is running away. Yes. So who should be searching for who at that point? Uh, So I was confused about that first scene, too, uh, because Alex at one point says, I'm the one who held out hope for him. I was like, what? What, At what point were you holding hope out for him? You forgot about him for seasons on seasons. So, uh, yeah, I that whole scene, I was so confused about. There was, like, a lot of, like, stuff about, like, how he abandoned her. And, like, I thought the last time we saw him, at least, apparently when he was getting pushed off screen, literally pushed <laughs> off screen, uh, like, I thought that the, the assumption was that, like, he had to run for his life. And then that Alex was going to, like, try to use the resources of the DEO to, like, help him out. 
I don't know if I'm remembering that wrong or not. I think Morgan, I think we need to in the summer. I think we need to cuz cuz we may uh, have we we may have a long hiatus. Yeah. So I think maybe we need to do like a Jeremiah Danvers audio commentary series. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we can we can correct the record on this. Out of the woods and back into the show. <laughs> the Jeremiah Danvers story. Because I don't know if we misremembered it or if the show is just forgetting it and because of crisis is like rewriting it somehow. Because of crisis, I'm so confused about everything. And so I don't I don't know which one of those it is. And I only had a chance to go back and rewatch Exodus, so... I only knew about him getting pushed off the screen. <laughs> I feel like the crisis has given the show um, like an like a permanent out on continuity of any kind uh, going forward into the future. Like we make all these jokes about like the forgotten storylines of Supergirl and like the dropped plots. But now the show can literally just be like, that wasn't a drop plot. That just didn't happen because of crisis or like <laughs> Maxwell Lord. Oh, no, no. We got rid of him or like, you know, Lucy Lane. Who? Lois is an only child now. <laughs> like, all, of, all of season one, gone. What? It never happened. One. Goodbye. Uh, like, they could they could really, like, it's just like the Amade, post-Amade universe that we live in where there's always been aliens. and. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, the the uh, Danny, you mentioned the, the fact that Jeremiah was helping refugees. I think it was sort of, like, trying to, uh, and also, I, I would have to... Uh, reach out to the legal uh, consultants, the Supergirl Radio legal consultants to see if they use the word refugee correctly. Uh, but I think that was written in some way to try to rectify what Jeremiah had done in season two because the last time we saw him, this is in Exodus, he helps Cadmus load up all the aliens into that spaceship that Lillian Luther was trying to shoot all the al all the aliens into space. Which, I don't know, now that I think about that, what a weird plan. Because if, <laughs> if, if aliens had been around since Amade, oh gosh. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The problem is Amade. Don't, We've don't established break, don't break this. your brain. Don't break your brain. It's, it's a lot. Be, because I think they only had like a hundred or something aliens. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really confused now about the ship situation. But... Jeremiah had to help Cadmus because otherwise they were going to hurt Kara and Alex. And so he did that. And so I guess the reason that they tried to write him as helping refugees is to fix his mistake of loading up those aliens into the ship. So I guess in some ways they tried to give him a good ending. But the, the heart attack thing was kind of silly. And I guess maybe they also did that because that's one of the things that people say about Superman the movie is that oh, Clark, you know, you ha he has all these superpowers, but he couldn't save Jonathan Kent from a heart attack. And I'm always like, well, people survive heart attacks all the time. But anyway, um, so I, I think the way they handled uh, the Jeremiah Danvers fallout was a mixed bag uh, because I liked the funeral scene at the end, uh, but the opening scene was just, what was that even? I don't even know. Um, we did get to see Eliza, though. We did get, to, uh, which I was shocked by. Uh, we did get some Helen Slater. So, Danny, since you did watch uh, Supergirl the movie, uh, did you enjoy seeing uh, Eliza Danvers back? I love Helen Slater, so I'm always glad when they bring her back. And at first, I wondered if she was only going to be in that VR 
<laughs> but then I was like, well, that's a waste of Helen Slater. So I was very glad that she they brought her back for the actual funeral. But I wish they had. I wish they used her more. I think she's she's underused, and she's a character I actually do want to see come back and be in more episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Morgan, what, uh, were you as surprised as I was that Eliza actually made it into the episode? I was super surprised. And then, uh, like Danny, I thought she was just going to show up in the VR. And I was going to be like, come on, man, this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, now it's, uh, Director Pones, fine, fine. But now it's personal. Like, <laughs> now they're doing it to hurt us. But uh, no, I like that that um, the funeral scene at the end was really good. And, and I mean, yes, I would love to see more Eliza Danvers. Like any any Cara home life stuff is always like, I think, appreciate it. And it's always a strong part of the show. And so whenever Eliza shows up, I think we get some of that good stuff. And especially for for Cara and Alex, we get good stuff. And so I was excited to see her. I wish that they would they would bring her in more often. I, I feel like poor uh, Helen Slater is like a, maybe a once a year, uh, once a season guest star now. And like, I think they can get her in more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think this episode reminded me how much I really did enjoy the Danvers stuff. Uh, even though uh, Jeremiah was off screen dead, uh, there were a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of uh, Danvers stuff in there. Like the opening scene, even though it was like nonsensical canonically, uh, the Alex Carr attention in that scene was really great, and the acting was uh, probably the best I thought of that. That scene was the best acting, in my opinion, of the whole episode, um, just because it was so palpable, and you could see that Carr was so upset and. It sort of reminded me of Midvale when uh, Carl was like, I, 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 I signed up for sad drunk, not mean drunk, or whatever she says. Um, so that that seemed kind of right with their relationship. And so I I really want to see more Damber stuff, but and I think this was a reminder to me of why. And even the Eliza in the VR, I was like, I, I'm kind of into this. A lot. Uh, uh, Helen Slater like tried to play her a little evil. She had kind of an evil twinge to her, and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I like this. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think they don't take advantage of Helen Slater as much as they should because she she really brings something that, that I think is missing to the show. Um, so speaking of the VR and the Alex part of this episode, so this is a very Alex-centric episode. And uh, we got to see something very different from Alex. She put on a super suit and she was flying and fighting uh, dinosaurs slash dragons. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that was uh, very exciting. Um, so, Danny, what did you uh, think about seeing Super Alex in the VR? Well, first I have to say I was concerned that Alex was drinking and then decided to go into VR. <laughs> I don't know if that was perhaps the healthiest thing she could have done. Just to point it out there. But... I really liked seeing Super Alex. One, the suit was awesome. The blue and the black was very cool. Not sure about the wig, but, you know, it, the CW and wigs. Very wig -like. <laughs> it was very wig-like. Very wig-like. She was but crushing I guess... it. I liked it. I liked the look. I was just like, it's. it looks so much like a wig. I mean... In the in the uh, pantheon of Alex's wigs, it's one of the better ones, which is not <laughs> saying a whole lot. <laughs> Anything is better than the side braid from the side, uh, it was from the like Elseworlds crossover, sticking so. out of the side of her head. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess they could play it off as well. It's VR, so it's not supposed to look super real. So we'll let it go. But I loved that 
she just had fun with it when she learned how to fly, when she went after the dragon dinosaur. I'm not sure what that was. Uh, it's a Draco Cardosian. Okay. But she just seemed to have just so much fun with it. And you don't usually get to see Alex just having fun. And so I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, we did get to see a little different side of Alex and uh, see what she would want to do if she was Supergirl and what choices she would make and uh, how she would handle the, the fame aspect of it and uh, using her superpower. So that was pretty cool. So Morgan, what did you think about seeing uh, Superman, uh, Super? I almost said Superman. <laughs> super Alex is a different is a new super that I'm gonna have to learn to, <laughs> how to say. So, what did you think about Super Alex in the VR? Yeah, I really liked it as well. I liked that she got to have fun. She got to like zoom around, uh, and I I, I like that seeing you know she's always kind of been jealous of Kara's powers and her abilities and things like that. That's always been like a little bit of a um a pressure point on that relationship so getting to see her like take over and what would a what would it kind of like an elseworlds like what would it look like if if alex was the one who is supergirl i thought that was really fun and also like bringing in everybody from the deo so like super alex shows up at the deo and everybody's like supergirl supergirl and it was really <laughs> that was really cool too and then at the point where she has to like save Kara, she's like oh no my sister and i was like oh man it must feel good like shoes on the other foot now who didn't get kidnapped this time huh Kara? <laughs> i do have a question about the secret identity in the vr because I'm, this is probably just getting in the weeds of things, but I imagine that because this is technologically based, that Obsidian, and if this is if this is too if this is too critical, let me know. But Obsidian would have like logs of things that are happening in the VR, wouldn't they? They would have like a like a record keeping of what's happening. So wouldn't some like I don't know, uh, you know, guy in engineering, he'd be like. Wait, uh, Cara Danvers is is Supergirl, or you know, Alex Danvers is Super. Like, I just the fact <laughs> the fact that people in the VR knew about the secret identity, I wondered if that would be reflected in the technology aspect of Obsidian. I don't know. I thought I think I think I think was thinking about that too hard. I think two points here. One is I think everybody would just assume that she want it to be Supergirl so this is her whole like Supergirl okay. scenario in her mind and so that that she had like made it all up and two I, I just want to remind everybody that last week uh there was a well-known murder house just uh, <laughs> across the street from virtual Las Vegas and Kelly was like oh yes yes the torture house <laughs> What, what about that is suspicious <laughs> so it's possible that they all know everything and they're just like oops uh somebody forgot to ask it for that patch i guess uh <laughs> guess there's some more murdering going on like it just in this episode like bunches and bunches of users were just like stuck in the vr and going missing and having like old lady like wrap them up in tinfoil as her <laughs> leftovers and nobody noticed that either so i feel like this is not like a tightly run organization <laughs> yeah kelly kelly even in this episode says that the fail safe error that she found wasn't patched 
uh, after all. And so it was like, why didn't you follow up with that? Like, Andrea didn't even seem to know about it. And I would think that she would be the person who would be, like, yelling at people to get it fixed. They never closed out those IT tickets. I'm telling you, man. They, you know, <laughs> you got to follow up with those people. Make sure they get it done. Uh, so I, I was very confused about all of that. And also in the VR, we had another scene between Alex and Tilly, or Tilly the treasure hunter uh, slash Bonnie, um, Bonnie has to explain to her about the NPCs again this week. I, I was like, didn't Alex learn about NPCs last week? I, I didn't understand why we had to go through that whole thing again. To go to your question about would they know that, you know, Kara is Supergirl, they did mention that they mapped uh, Alex's brain. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do they, and that's how they were populating everything was from her brain. I'm assuming that that is stored somewhere in the cloud. So you're right. There's probably some <laughs> yeah. tech person who's like either thinking, oh, this crazy Alex Danvers thinks that uh, mild-mannered reporter Kara Danvers, Pulitzer <laughs> Prize winner, is Supergirl. Wow, that's really funny. Or he's like, oh, I'm going to start blackmailing people. I don't know. But somewhere <laughs> it is in the cloud, I'm assuming. Don't don't you love that last year her um her secret was so important that they had to mind wipe poor Alex and she was like uh she was like microwaving staplers but this but this, <laughs> this week she's just like uh, gonna upload it all to the cloud I can't see what a problem would be there like what? she's like I'm sure Kelly will take care of it I'm sure this is not a big deal my girl Kelly's got this Kelly does not have it. <laughs> Kelly is really dropping the ball. I hate to say it, but things are not getting followed up on. Um, so I, I did think that the uh, premises of this episode, because it was called Alex in Wonderland, uh, I, I, I would assume that it was a little bit of a play on Alice in Wonderland. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting because they played up with the memory side of things. Like if you stayed there too long, you would forget that you were in the VR and that you would forget about your own reality. And I was like... That's a Peter Pan thing. That's not so much. I mean, I guess it is it in Alice in Wonderland. I'm trying to remember if that is an Alice in Wonderland thing, but I think it's. I know a bit more of a Peter Pan thing. But I think Kelly, she had some sort of throwaway line when she was talking to Andrea about how going in when you're super emotional is what triggers that. So I don't. So I don't know if that's what it is. It, it's not that anybody who stays in there, because they said there was like 400 people who were in there for a long time that weren't wrapped burritos in the, the <laughs> cellar. Yeah, they. So, yeah, go ahead. So I was going to say, uh, you know, it was a throwaway throwaway line, but I think that's what they were trying to portray is, if you go in super emotional or whatnot, that's what triggers that response to turn your eyes red and keep you there and maybe make you forget everything. Ah, so maybe that yeah, makes them vulnerable. Because I think in the bar, too, we see the other the other woman who's, like, dressed up like Supergirl, like, sipping on her drinks, just enjoying her day. And Alex is like, what do you mean? I'm Supergirl. And she's like, whoa, this is killing my buzz. <laughs> she's, lo she's, like, backing away slowly, like, ah, this is a little too much for me. Thanks. <laughs> But isn't that like think about what a what a huge bug that is that they're just ignoring. Like Kelly's like, oh yeah, sometimes when people are emotional and they go into the VR, they just get stuck. We do know about this. Uh, IT told me they are working on it. <laughs> I guess some people are just gonna get stuck in VR for a couple of days. Like what happens if you get stuck in VR and you're like not eating food? Like. <laughs> 
isn't that a problem too like in the prenup situation if we go with the premise that it's the emotional state that uh triggers this response in, shouldn't Kelly be the one to notice this stuff? Because isn't she some kind of like psychiatrist or something? Wait, what's the? I don't. I don't know the difference between psychiatrist and psychologist. I know there's like prescription writing, and I forget which one uh, Kelly is. But she deals with like emotional therapies. Shouldn't she kind of be on top of this? I mean, to be fair, that's only one of her like 15 jobs she apparently <laughs> has. So Kelly is so talented you guys <laughs> uh, you know what i think this is why kelly is missing a lot of stuff because kelly is is wearing too many hats she's juggling <laughs> she's got too many balls in the air of course she's gonna miss a couple of people stuck in vr forever it's gonna happen she's got so much stuff going on no i mean to your point like isn't one of her big things that like you can use this vr to talk to or to have people work through their traumas by that yes logic what and these people consistently be getting stuck in the vr <laughs> is kelly like oh god not this again <laughs> some of this episode i thought uh really kind of you know was was well written to a degree but there were things that i was confused about and i think a lot of that vr stuff was was kind of wonky there trying to follow the logic of it um, so Danny, so we did sort of mention the tinfoil people, uh, and sort of what, what is happening to these people who are stuck in the VR. So what are your thoughts about, um, old lady Margot and what she's doing? Do you have any theories about where this is going? <laughs> I have no idea what is going on with, with Leviathan and the people wrapped up like a burrito. They just are not giving us a whole lot to go with that. And so, all I know is that Lex is involved somehow, and they're probably going to all, I don't know, share some brainwaves. Who knows? But we're on what episode at this point? Like 16. 16. And this this is the one storyline that I'm like, you know, I have to go to the bathroom during this. So I'm just going <laughs> to just going to kind of leave and come back. And I'm like, well, I'm sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, we only have, theoretically, if the season is supposed to end at 20 and they didn't finish the finale, we only have like three episodes probably left. So uh, they really should be ramping this up. Uh, so I, I don't see where it's going to go. Morgan, do you have any theories at this point? I mean, we were kind of getting more information about what's going on, but still not anything solid. We are. So it turns out that Margot... Um, is good at a couple of things. And so now we've established that she's good at uh, wrapping up people like a burrito, definitely <laughs> a, a, an important skill. And she can also, I guess she can make you, um, she can kind of go invisible. I guess she can kind of bend reality. Cause mm -hmm. when William comes into that like basement area, she's just like, you're just seeing basement. And he's like, Hmm, I'm just seeing basement. Meanwhile, <laughs> behind her, are all the burrito people. And she's like, uh Oh, uh, so, I mean, it's, I mean, that's the first time we've seen her have any powers. So thus far we've seen her being able to like bend reality and we know, uh, we know our boy Rama Khan can, uh, <laughs> I don't know, earth, wind and fire it up. So, <laughs> so my, I guess my question, what I'm really interested in is like, what can pencil skirt do? Mm. Cause thus far, all I've seen her do is, uh, wear a lot of, um, you know, business attire, boardroom attire, and um, walk in and out of rooms and kind of look look stern. <laughs> so, like, 
Well, what is her what is her big power? I would have to go back and look at that, but I want to say early on in the first half of the season, I think we saw her do something when they were in the Leviathan headquarters. She did something, and I can't remember now uh, what it was. But they, I think they do all have uh, some sort of special ability. And I was wondering if... So we, we found out a couple of episodes ago that Le Leviathan is, uh, unbeknownst to us, uh, like a cybernetic uh, species. Uh, <laughs> and so... Yeah, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that was something that uh, they didn't quite put out there in the first half of the season. Uh, so I'm wondering if, are they trying to, this is just like something that crossed my mind this week, and this is probably t totally wrong, but are they trying to take the burrito people and turn them into the same species that they are? Are they like trying to repopulate Ooh. their species? Like creating like a, like a hive, burrito hive mind where everybody's <laughs> going to be like <laughs> part of the same species. And then they're all like, we are all Leviathan. Like, I don't <laughs> I mean, in the beginning of the season, remember, it was like Leviathan is everyone. Leviathan is everywhere. And then it was just like these three people who had very specific, like, <laughs> stuff going on about them. And I was like, I thought Leviathan was supposed to be everyone. It's just this dude in a weird costume who likes dirt. <laughs> where's the rest of every, where's the rest of Leviathan? Maybe this is their plan. They're like, Leviathan will be everyone. That was sort of their, like, when they said that Leviathan was everyone and everywhere, that was like sort of their the secret. They were putting it out there in the universe. That was just their brainstorming session. They were like, we're just going to put a big wish list out there for what we want to accomplish. Ramakan like wheels out a chalkboard. It says everyone, everywhere, and then he points to it. Let's go, guys. <laughs> so that's the only thing I can think of with this burrito situation. I think for me, the, my struggle with this season and their VR and the, the Obsidian uh, contact lenses is it seems very, how do I put this, like black and white and like people in technology, bad, because they're spending all their time and make sure you spend time with, you know, the people around you, which I totally get. But as somebody who grew up in, um, you know, as a queer person, the online community is where I met my people. And so to see Supergirl constantly talking about it's bad if you spend all this time and meet people online is kind of a struggle because that is literally where I met my people. And I wish there was just a little more balance of that. Yeah, it feels to me, the storyline feels a lot like and I think I've said this before, like the early seasons of like shows in the 1990s like when the internet first came out like I think about these like early episodes of Buffy where they're like <laughs> the internet is where you meet monsters no literal monsters and it's like every episode every episode of TV shows back then it would be like you gave him your you gave him his, your real name and then the person would kill them so it's kind of like we've progressed past that like with technology where it's like not crazy that you would give out your real name online like it was back in like the early 2000s but now it's like you're only your friends are only online you're stuck in the vr man it's like there's most people have a pretty healthy balance of like talking to people online and like going outside i mean not now but <laughs> in non-coronavirus times now, yes yeah now we're living we're living that like worst case scenario but like all of our friends are in the computer screen but yeah i mean to your point like i've made like tons of friends through technology that's how morgan and i met that's how we met yeah like the demonization of like 
just like technology where it's like you go you go into the VR and you get lost. It's like okay. <laughs> well, I have to say now the queer community has been like, it's our time. Yes, it's our time <laughs> finally. Cause our whole community is online. So yeah, I just like I think I told my mom, I said, yeah, not so funny now that all my friends are online and I can just call them on, you know, Zoom and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, Morgan, if I remember correctly, I think we were in a chat with Andy B from the Flash podcast and he was making the point that, like, it's 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 a weird time for Supergirl to be doing this storyline because if you're listening to this five years into the future, uh, there was this virus that was going around the world uh, called COVID-19 and everybody is quarantined in their houses, trying not to get the virus. And so everything is moving online now. So it is kind of a weird, just culturally and just for this specific time period, that the show would be making this statement about how technology is bad and we should not engage <laughs> in it so much. And it's like, now we are all what? relying on it to function. Like schools are being taught online now, uh, uh, you know everybody's well not everybody but most people like parents are having to homeschool their kids and they're doing online things uh you know my job has started to move online like they're and people are working from home at this point and so it's just kind of a weird thing that has happened and it's no fault of the shows but it's just very interesting how this is sort of lined up that uh we're we're sort of relying more on technology now probably than ever at this point in history uh so I think it's it's pretty funny that I, I think the show wants to make this big statement and we're all kind of like, um, uh, technology has actually been good to us so far. So <laughs> it's it's very strange. Yeah, it's it's like it's not as nefarious as, as they're making it. It is like to to your point, Andy's point, it is a funny time. Like I literally had a uh, like Google Hangouts happy hour with some friends nice. <laughs> who live in New York like, like yep. last night because – we can't go out like that's how you see each other right now so yeah it, it is a it is a weird time to be watching like um a commentary and kind of a negative commentary on the like the perils of technology when it's like technology is like kind of what's keeping us all together right now but i always kind of felt like their um their critique of technology was kind of i don't know like a high like i think if 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 somebody asked me what like gave me a draft this is a draft and was like what do you think I'd be like dig deeper like what do you really <laughs> want to say like what do you want to explore because they keep talking they had talked about it previous to this as they were like black mirror season um mm -hmm. but but those episodes in that show were always sort of like about some like a trend in technology taken to its like most extreme mm -hmm. but this kind of feels like they're sort of doing that, but they didn't think through all the implications of like, we like, we have been like poking holes into the VR where it's like, nobody's noticing that all these people are just like going missing or stuck in the VR. Like you're telling me that no person who's having emotional distress and is stuck in the VR has any friends or family that would check in on them and be like, weird that their eyes are red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is Margot that good burritoing th that she gets them like before <laughs> before anyone goes to check up on them? Well, one thing I did like about the episode is that we did see an example of that with Alex and Kelly, where 
Alex gets locked in there and Kelly has to go in and and sort of figure out a way to get her out of it which seemed really uh, extensive like she had to really go through a lot of uh, steps to try to get Alex out of there uh, which seems like you need to rework that but uh, so I guess that <laughs> that goes into another question so uh, Danny what do you think about seeing seeing young Alex be the be the one to help uh, super Alex get out of there I actually really loved that because it really showed that the only person who could help her was herself. And I think that was really important that she needed to come to terms with her feelings for Jeremiah and her feelings for, you know, at some point, you know, with Kara and the rest of, you know, the people in the DEO and her friends. And so having a young teenage Alex actually help her work through that was really kind of cool. Yeah. I love seeing young Alex. I, that was such a cool way that they got her out of the VR. Cause I think in a lot of these shows, it would be like, um, like a love interest thing where it'd be like the power of love will like get you out of the VR. But, and, <laughs> and I like that Kelly was in there and Kelly was like, Alex, Hey, it's me, Kelly. And, and Alex was like, is it? Um, but, like, <laughs> but like, I don't think like, I, I liked it that there wasn't a lot of, like, drama in their relationship in this episode because it was mostly focused on, like, Alex working through her own issues. And I guess that's kind of a one of the benefits of um, whatever it is that uh, Kelly does that, that she knows, like, you know, <laughs> you have to take, you know, she was giving Alex space and she didn't seem to, like too upset with Alex being honestly like kind of the worst in the opening scene where she was just like being mean for no reason. And Kelly was like, cool, I'm going to go to work and you just, you work all that out and I'll see you <laughs> if I'm here if you need me. And like, just like got out of there, like respect Kelly. But like, I, I like that it wasn't like there was this big relationship drama. Instead, it got to be a, a story about Alex where Alex saved herself. And I think that putting young Alex in there really kind of brought that home that it was, you know, something that she was dealing with with her family. And, and you know, I'm sure that young Alex was somebody who looked up to Jeremiah or had resentful feelings because she always had to look after her little sister. And so she was kind of working through, it's kind of an inner child thing. Like she was working through her feelings from like when she was young. Yeah. And I liked that young Alex helped her to realize what was really going on and what her real feelings about it were. Cause I sort of laughed because when Alex comes out of it, she admits to Kelly that she's mad at herself for not being able to save Jeremiah. And I was like, the first scene didn't make a lot of sense, but that <laughs> scene makes a lot of sense that she did not save Jeremiah. And she could have. She could have gone to search for him, and she didn't. <laughs> so I'm at least glad she was honest about that part of uh, the story. <laughs> um, so I guess we, we sort of talked about uh, the William part of this episode and his search into Lex Luthor. Um, I guess my question to both of you, because this was a question that I asked myself, how would this episode look, uh, how differently would it look if Kara was in William's position? I mean, better. <laughs> <laughs> it looks better. I mean, yeah. I, we, don't, yeah. we don't get to see Kara investigate anything ever anymore. But I mean, to that point, I know that we just had a big Nia episode last week. But is Nia still a reporter of any kind? I don't remember the last time. I feel like Kara, again, a bad mentor. When's the last time I've seen <laughs> Nia at work? I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say Nia is just following her mentor's footsteps and just 
not showing up for weeks on end. But I also wondered why Mia and Caro, it wasn't one of those two who was doing the investigation. I just, William is very bland to me. And I wasn't at all invested in him doing this investigation because there was no feeling for me attached to it. I guess I've been kind of bitter about this all season because I understand that William, his whole storyline is has been the investigation of Leviathan. So I get that this is a continuation of that. But I also don't understand, and this sounds so terrible, and it's not meant to be, but what is the point of William? I just, <laughs> I don't. I, I can't believe you said it and not one of us. I just, I, it was on the tip of my tongue, so I, she, go ahead. I, you know, this. I have a lot of unpopular opinions and hot takes, so I'm probably going to get some heat for that. But I just, I get that, like, he's a, he's a love interest for Kara. I get it. But you don't need him. Like, he's not integral to the storyline. You could put Kara in his story, and it would still be that story. You could put Nia in that story, and it would still be that story. You don't... I don't understand anymore why this is William's story. Because I, I guess I just... I don't understand what, what they're doing with that character. Because is he going to be Kara's love interest for the end of time? If that's the case, maybe I could see it. But is he just going to be a love interest for this season and be gone? I don't know. I just, I just, I, I, I love Kara (laughs) so much. And I just, I get jealous when I see William's storyline because I think this would be such a good meaty storyline for Kara. This would be so good to see Kara doing this. And I, I guess I also get jealous because like the Flash has storylines for Barry like Barry does things and and there <laughs> it's about Barry and with Supergirl it's so rare for Kara now to have storylines of her own and so I get jealous when William is out doing those things and I think it hit me in that scene where uh William goes down into the warehouse and old lady Margot like flips on the invisible switch and they're like <laughs> you know face to face and I thought Wow, that's such a big moment because he's so close to figuring this out. And I just in my in my mind I was think I was putting Kara in that scenario and thinking, wow, this would be such a good story for Kara. And I, I get it. Like there are some things that you know Ka- uh, Melissa Benoist is directing an episode, so they're giving her some some leeway to do some things, which means she's not going to be in the episodes as much and Maybe at some point this season they knew that she was pregnant and so they were trying to make things a little easier for her. But at some point, you have to give her a storyline. And she just, even the Lena stuff has gone away. The Cara Lena stuff has gone away. So I've been struggling for many, many episodes this season trying to figure out what Cara is doing. And I think this episode really, uh, it got me to the brink in this week's episode where I was like, what, why William? And I like, and I like William and I like William. I like William and Kara. I just, I don't understand it anymore. The problem is that like William is siphoning off all of her storylines. Like she could have been to your point. She could have been the one investigating this week. She last week, they even had him writing the story that she was like, that she was directly involved in like writing Nia's story uh, of her roommate where I was like, why couldn't that have been Kara? Like, why couldn't you give Kara a journalism storyline? Well, and to your point with The Flash, they do give Barry good storylines, but they also give Iris good storylines. They balance it out. Mm -hmm. And Supergirl does not know how to do that. I'm just 
going to be straight up. Like, they have a hard time balancing out in an episode all of the storylines, and it shows. Yeah, and I think the the Alex thing in this this episode, I, I think it showed that they can write good, meaty, like, character-centric storylines for characters. And even in uh, the Nia uh, episode, Reality Bites, they... They can give these character storylines that really impact the character and their their growth. It's just that like, I think you mentioned it that the imbalance of these things it does feel like it's, uh, you know, the it's not balanced to where it feels like everybody's getting storylines. So it 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 those kinds of things do kind of frustrate me a little bit. So I'm hoping that the William thing will actually culminate into some big thing. I just at this point we don't even know really. I'm trying to remember, Morgan, did did they say that uh, the Leviathan thing for him was still the motiv- motivation with his friend Russell? I think post-crisis, he now thinks that Lex Luthor killed his that's, friend Russell. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think now he's after Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor is taking him to Leviathan, is mm-hmm. how I understand it. But, like, I think... Crisis has changed his storyline uh, and Andrea Rojas's storyline the most, but they don't really dive into it. Like, even though they have, like, technically they have Kara dating him, we still haven't gotten, like, well, now what is his story? Like, now what is his storyline? Like, let's dive back into to that because he's, he's related to Leviathan, but I think only because he's kind of after Lex right now. Yeah, so some of his motivation even is kind of it, it feels like a little bit of a stretch but i mean i'm willing to go see see what it you know see wh- where it goes but uh i just sometimes i i guess i just daydream or something and i'm like oh i wonder what it would be like if Kara was in that scenario the show would probably be better i think well you mentioned before even her uh her storyline with lena has lena been in the last two episodes no at all no not at all wow and she yeah. is, I just to remind everybody, she is trying to mind control the world. <laughs> you think we want to check in on that? But I mean, <laughs> just like, what? No, just we, dip we don't toe need to in. <laughs> How that's going? I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's going okay. I don't think we need to even. You know, we don't even have to worry about that at all. Nah, she's 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 doing great. I think probably. I mean, to, I think to your point, Rebecca, though, like even that um, Kara and Lena storyline is mostly a Lena storyline. Yeah. Like the Kara and Lena fight has turned into Lena deciding that everybody should be nicer to each other, and instead of just like blocking a bunch of people on Twitter, she's <laughs> like, I'm just gonna mind control everyone. You you can't be responsible. Let's do this. But like. <laughs> Kara has only just kind of moped around a little bit and had that one It's a Wonderful Life episode. Like, most of the Kara and Lena stuff is actually kind of about what Lena is doing and Kara reacting to it. So that's barely even, like, a Kara story. It's more a Lena story. (sighs) It just, it's upsetting. Uh, I don't know if all Kara fans feel like that, but I just... I want I want some good car stuff. When we get good car stuff, it feels like a Supergirl show again. So um, that it's I'm I'm trying to work through my issues. Maybe I need a VR to go in through my issues <laughs> and like and like live a storyline where like Car is the star of a Supergirl show and like all the NPC characters are like you know minor characters on the show serving her story. <laughs> that that would be my personal uh, VR situation. 
Uh, I guess since we brought up uh, Lena and her mind control plan, the probably the biggest, most important thing that happened in this episode was the reveal that Eve Tessmacher or Hope, we're not sure which, is is back in play. So Morgan, I'm going to go to you first uh, <laughs> because I want to hear uh, your reaction to this. So what did you think about seeing her again? First, I, I want to thank you personally for like messaging me and being like, don't spoil the end of the episode for yourself, <laughs> which I do often by like scrolling Twitter when I haven't watched it. And I was like, oh, if Rebecca's telling me this, it's got to be serious. It's got to be serious. <laughs> and then I got on and, and when we got to, we got to Eve slash Hope. I was like, what? And I screamed. I was so excited. Um, I, I mean, in my in my personal head canon, it's Hope, and she's back, and she's like, "It is me. I am just doing data entry." <laughs> because, like, who better to have in there than a computer herself? Yeah. <laughs> so she's working for a technology uh, company now. So that's interesting. Uh, so I'm curious if this version of Eve slash Hope has any connection to Lena Luther? I don't know how that works post-crisis. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't trust her, but I do <laughs> love her. Yeah, I, I don't feel like that patch is going to get fixed anytime soon, just <gasps> throwing it out there. What if Hope was, like, continually uh, causing them problems? Oh, my God. What if Hope is the IT department? I bet. <laughs> Every time that they put in, like, a ticket, Hope is like, don't worry, I have closed it out she hopes sends out the survey what did you think about my performance and then everybody's like giving her ones they're like you didn't fix it and she's like aha and she like hits something and it all goes to fives perfect score <laughs> someone's getting a raise i'm sure she saw the murder house and was like this is wonderful yes <laughs> Eve was like uh, Hope was like I am into it <laughs> <laughs> so um, are y'all going to be disappointed if it's just Eve Tessmacher uh, I mean I'll be a little disappointed because I'll have to retire the voice but uh, I mean Eve is great too so I can't yeah. I can't hate on Eve Eve is also amazing who knows what either of those two are up to yeah because I because I don't know which one I would rather it be well I think it would depend on where's Hope then the AI because I'm assuming if Lena still wants to mind control people. She needs hope yeah. in there somewhere. So true. I mean, in this in this post crisis reality, that might be Eve, and AI might still be a little tabletop, a little tabletop <laughs> AI. We could have the best of both worlds. Yes, I, I, I would be okay with that. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna have to uh, track what she's up to because her her reentrance into the show, I think, uh, was uh, probably the most important moment in this week's episode. Uh, and maybe that's hyperbolic. Uh, you know, I don't think it is. I think it's that's a correct statement. It was the most important thing that happened in the episode. Uh, so uh, what were, uh, were everybody's kind of overall thoughts about Alex in Wonderland? Uh, Danny, did you like it? Did you not? Did you think it was a solid episode? Uh, what did you think? Well, I'm a huge Alex fan. After Kara, she's my next favorite character. And so I really liked this episode. I liked to focus on her. I liked that she worked through apparently some issues she had with her dad as much as I maybe thought the plot with her dad was not quite where it needed to be. But I thought Kylie did some great acting in this and it just, um, 
overall, I really enjoyed the episode a lot. Morgan, uh, overall thoughts? Yeah, I like this one a lot, too. I, I mean, I was confused, very confused by the first scene. I was like, <laughs> I'm have, have I like rewritten the show in my brain is it that this running joke has become like canon to me and i don't actually remember what the show was like that made me concerned about myself like I, that i had slowly over the course of supergirl radio gaslit myself into a reality version of the show that didn't exist like, I, was like, I was like oh no have i done this uh, so that was concerning to me for a little while that's some skills if you gaslight yourself yeah i was like what have i done (laughs) um but i thought overall it was a really it was a really good episode i enjoyed it a lot i mean the vr stuff i'm always going to be like a little bit like it's it's fun and i like it but i also don't understand it and i don't uh, I think the problem is I don't know that the show understands it either. I don't know that the show has come up for hard and fast rules for the VR. So, like, the more you think about it, the more it kind of, like, falls apart. Like a burrito that you've left in the wrapper too long. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I think that uh, that Kyler Lee did a great job in this one. Like, I think that anytime that they let Kyler Lee just, like, do her thing and, like, she can get, hit those big emotional moments almost better than Uh, anybody else on the cast so i like that they got they let her sort of have a a very alex center centric episode and i like that it got to be about her as a character and her like her struggles and her journey so i thought that this one was really good yeah some of the uh the bit at the beginning i was very confused about and uh some of it i didn't fully understand with the vr had a lot of questions but i will agree with the two of you that kyler lee is a fantastic actress and she delivered when she needed to in this episode and it makes me uh, like the Kara stuff it makes me wish they gave her more stuff to do uh, I think those those actors can really bring something to the table that hasn't really been around in a while so I think that uh, that I would like to see more of that because she really did do a good job in this episode she she had to play a lot of different things she had to play the super Alex she had to play um the alex grieving her her father that she uh chose not to save and uh so she had to really play all those kinds of different scenarios and she had to interact with her younger self so there were a lot of things there that i thought were really good for alex and i really enjoyed that so and we did get some pushing forward to the leviathan end game so i still don't know what they're doing but at least we're getting you know step by step uh, episode by episode more more information so i guess there is that so uh had had some questions and some problems but overall i thought it was uh, an enjoyable episode to watch and i think like like we've complained about like car not getting a lot uh, of storyline or a lot of like forward momentum on her storylines poor alex i don't know who's gotten like the the shorter end of the stick there but like I sometimes I look back and I'm like, when's the last time Alex had like a significant thing? And it was it was hard. You have to like really think. And I thought that it was kind of rough too that like in her in her brain in her mind's like in her mind's reality or her mind's eye, her ideal situation was like Hank. Uh, or Jean being head of the uh, DEO again. She was like, oh, so good to see you as the head of the DEO. I was like, girl, you got that promotion. You earned that. I know that you were head of the DEO and you didn't do anything and you 
a couple of people took over for you and no director bones isn't anywhere and now i guess it's brainy and things are rough but like in your in your like fantasy you can be director of the dpo <laughs> that's possible <laughs> She could probably be both Supergirl and director of the DEO in her own VR world. Alex, you can have it all. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good point. Well, uh, let's hope for good things for Alex Danvers in the future in whatever potential storyline <laughs> they give her. And uh, But uh, RIP to the Jer Jeremiah Danvers storyline. Uh, it was fun while we had it. Uh, even though we may have misremembered parts of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that's that's it. Uh, so uh, I guess that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Alex in Wonderland. Uh, our first tweet comes from Mark HB PWM. Uh, yeah, PWM, who says, are we in agreement that Alex's reaction in that first scene was a flaming chamber uh, pot of villainous nonsense? <laughs> yes, I, I mean, would agree. Yes, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That makes me feel a little bit saner, though, that people are also pointing that out. <laughs> uh, at Picks by Katie McGee said, Many thoughts about Leviathan's endgame after this episode. So they hacked the VR to trap people in it. What is the long-term plan, though? Cocoon all of humanity in tinfoil? They will need a bigger warehouse and so much tinfoil. <laughs> Can we refer to them as the tinfoil people? <laughs> Listen, I don't see why not, and I like it. <laughs> Uh, at am underscore grout said, why are all the tinfoil people? <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, we've all decided on this and we've all agreed. So I like that. Uh, why are all the tinfoil people suspended in midair by fishing line? That seems like a lot more work than just getting some racks of bunks in there. Uh, <laughs> one thing this episode taught me is that Leviathan is inefficient uh good points very good good points uh <laughs> at kaya underscore matsui said it's hilarious to me that jeremiah was just chilling in peru doing some humanitarian work and never called his family this whole thing makes no sense alex didn't even remember that her dad existed until last week <laughs> why is she so angry now <laughs> i need lena back this isn't fun anymore <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Patty Mello 20 said, the fact that Kara and Nia are not the ones investigating Lex is crazy to me. There's no reason for William to be the one doing this when we already have two reporters on the show. I feel like the writers took Alex's feelings about Eliza in season one and put it on Jeremiah in this episode. Yeah. Do you remember when she had uh, issues with Eliza? That was yeah. such a long time ago. I mean, that was season one and I just didn't think that existed anymore. So... <laughs> Did we not retcon that? Oh, we we didn't. Okay. Yeah, that that I think that's at least. I mean, I think they did that. They retconned it a long time ago, but it, I guess now it's a crisis victim. Now they can be like, no, no, no. no. It, post crisis, her and her mom are just like super chill. <laughs> okay, I see how it is. She loves Thanksgiving now. <laughs> Um, at Danvers Girl said Alex got a story arc, Kelly got screen time, William got something separate from Kara, not that I'm against them, and Eve finally returned. Knowing Melissa was probably doing prep for directing made feel uh, made made things feel kind of forced in my opinion, but I still enjoyed myself. And then at Shinko uh, 0278 said, Happy that Eve slash Hope is back. R.I.P. Jeremiah. So Earth Prime Lillian forced him into Cadmus. Uh, hope hiding off screen predominantly evil <laughs> uh, well we received an email from Gina who writes 
quote, I really, really wish this was a Cara Alex episode. As much as I did like Kelly's role in this episode, especially with William, I think there was a missed opportunity for a sister-centric episode. By the end of the episode, Cara didn't even know what had happened with Alex, and we just got bookends of Cara and Alex sharing the screen together. Additionally, the story with Bonnie hovered over her sister, and there was a chance there they only hinted on. I don't understand the show's direction away from the Danvers sisters. I really don't. I don't care what ship you cheer for concerning Car or Alex. There is an agreement across most fans of the show that the Danvers sisters are what really uh, got us invested in the show in the beginning, even if, you, uh, even if you're beginning with season two. The one thing I also liked was there was an actual buildup of Alex's feelings overall. Maybe the way she exploded at Kara seemed like a lot surrounding her father, but if you think about her uncertainty and her role now that she's left the DEO, I think it was a, a culmination of all her feelings of loss and her identity that led up to her strong emotions, unquote. I agree with that 100%, Gina. I think that this probably would have thematically been a stronger episode if it did tie back into the sister aspect because they had that Bonnie-Jill scenario. I think they could have tied the sisters into that. So uh, that does seem like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I always feel like the show's the strongest when it focuses in on the Danvers sisters. And I feel like, you know, we get those little couch scenes and we get some of them, like, some of them talking and things like that. But I don't think that we get a lot of stuff focused on their relationship as much anymore. Well, and we had talked about how Melissa was prepping for directing in this episode, so she probably couldn't be in it a lot. But if you still used the Bonnie-Jill uh, situation, that story, to tie into the Danvers sisters, you can do that without having Melissa Benoist in there. So uh, it seems strange that they they had that in there and then they didn't do anything with it. Uh, Mary wrote in to say, I don't like that between John, the psychic private investigator, Alex, the former law enforcement officer, Kara, the Pulitzer winning journalist, and Nia, the former White House assistant. It's only William that ever seems to do any investigating. <laughs> At least he's making actual progress, just like a dependable and trusty steed. <laughs> 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 uh yes because obviously the comet theory is true we've all accepted it we all know it's <laughs> it's happening it has not been disproven yet uh so in, in that case it's still open uh for possibilities uh well new rachel asks quote what do you think the seating arrangements were for the trip to midvale i know it probably isn't that far away from national city uh, for alex and kelly to make it there in time for the funeral so it probably isn't that big of a deal but it seems like jean car brainy and nia went together notably not in jean's car because mala oh it's been a while <laughs> since i've had to say this malafaak took it to Mars the last time we saw it. And since Brainy is social distancing from everyone else, especially <laughs> Nia, I'd imagine it would be pretty awkward for him to be in there with her, even though they did sit next to each other at the funeral. But anyway, who do you think drove and who sat in the car? Or do you think there were no cars involved and they got there another way? Unquote. Okay, so Danny, uh, who do you who do you think, uh, what, what do you think about this scenario? Do you think... Uh, I guess what was the first question? Who do you think drove and who sat in the car? Or, or do you think there were no cars and they got there some other way? Let's see. With that list of people, I, my guess is there weren't any cars. My guess is they all like flew on their own uh, to Midvale. Because I can't imagine you have a bunch of people who can fly and they're like, 
let's get into a tiny car together and drive how many hours to be but what really if they were impressed. like what if they were like road trip road trip <laughs> <laughs> well then at that point jean would be driving and yelling at them that he was going to turn this car around <laughs> stop <laughs> definitely i think the better question is when when jean drives them and and they convince him to pull over cuz everybody has to go to the bathroom what <laughs> snacks do they get uh, like from the convenience store <laughs> What are their road trip snacks? I don't know. I think Nia would need some, like, caffeine or something. Some sort of, like, coffee drink. Cara would yeah, be, Cara would be eating her feelings. So whatever she – she would get just a lot of everything. Yeah, she, she'd probably get a whole, like, you know, armful of just junk food. <laughs> I think Nia is definitely the person on the road trip who comes in. They're super, super psyched. They can't wait. They're like, road trip, road trip. And then five <laughs> minutes later, they're asleep. And they're asleep for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably a good call. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's possible they Brainy uh, somehow had another Legion ship, uh, so maybe they all went in the Legion cruiser. That seems like a. I mean, that's like going on a private jet. That's I would I would take it. I'd be like, uh, what? You're not doing anything with the Legion cruiser. Why don't we all just hop in there? Um. So Courtney wonders. What kind of person injects someone without allergies with an EpiPen? And EpiPens contain uh, ephedrine, not adrenaline. Hence the name. Uh, that was a big question that I had as well. I was like, "Wait, did she just did she just stick her with an EpiPen? Why?" Yeah. <laughs> and they <laughs> and they uh, Courtney is right. They do. Um, they have epinephrine in them and not adrenaline. So I don't know what she was stabbing her with, but. Yeah, that's why she'd wake up because you didn't stab her with the right thing. Like it's not Pulp Fiction. Like what? <laughs> what did she think? She's like, oh, you're safe from blueberries now. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, so Alex wrote in to say, "Quote: This week, Alex was the main story. Last week, G Dreamer was the focus. In both episodes, Car is basically there to provide pep talks." With, with Melissa Benoist pregnant, I guess this is the immediate future of the series. I'm sorry to say this, but if this is what we can expect, then shut production down until after Melissa Benoist has the baby and is ready to work again. I have said since the series began that the show is at its best when it's about Cara being Supergirl. Without her being the main storyline, there is no reason to go on. I don't want more episodes with the extent of Cara's involvement in her being tied to a chair, talking to someone on the phone, or from behind a desk, unquote. Uh, th that makes me feel better, Alex, that you feel like that because that's sort of how I feel about it. Um, not that I don't like the Alex episodes, not that I don't like the Dreamer episodes, but I kind—I mean, I came to this show because I wanted to see Supergirl stories. So um, I, I hope that they, uh, with all, I mean, I don't know when they're going to be able to pick up the show again at, at any point. I don't think any of us know, but I do hope that it's, you know, when Melissa can be back on full time. They could come up with some pretty creative ways to hide that pregnancy. They could go full soap opera and just like, you know, have her carrying some laundry baskets or, <laughs> you know, Alex dives in front of her every time they want to do a full body shot. Um, or uh, my friend and I, my podcast partner and I are talking that, you know, they could give uh, Kara some kryptonite that makes her gain lots of weight. And so she's just constantly <laughs> eating. I, I like that you mentioned soap operas because in the comics, I think it's the Superman family series of comics. Uh, uh, I think it's Linda in the comics. She is a soap opera actress. Like, mm. Supergirl was a soap opera. She was on a soap opera. Uh, so if if they wanted to make me happy in season six, they could have a whole storyline. Maybe Carr, like, quits 
cat coat because she's like, they don't let me investigate anything and I'm a Pulitzer winner and they don't let me do anything. I'm going to quit my job. Reporting is for the pits, uh, for the, you know, I'm, I'm done with reporting. I'm going to get into acting. And like she goes onto a soap opera because, you know, that's their, people's first entry into the, the world of television. So I would love it if they really dug into Supergirl's comic book history and had her become a soap opera actress. And maybe in in the soap opera, her character's pregnant. I like the idea of her like being in a soap opera where she like would have to throw like a drink all the time in somebody's face. She's like, <laughs> "How dare you!" <laughs> that could be your signature move. Oh, on the Young and the Restless one time, I think it was it might have been Phyllis and Sharon because it was it was always Phyllis and Sharon, but. Uh, I think, you know those, uh, like, at weddings and stuff, they have, like, those chocolate, what do they call them? Like, the chocolate the fountains. The chocolate fountains. And yes. I, and I think one of them, like, shoved the other one's face into the chocolate fountain. <laughs> I mean, so, um, soap operas are the place to do that, if that's what you want to do. I was a huge fan of Guiding Light, and towards the end, they had one of the actresses was pregnant. And the joke in the fandom was the ridiculousness that they were using to ri- uh, hide the actress's real-life pregnancy. And it was, like, a basket of pine cones <laughs> and, like, laundry basket. I mean, it was the most ridiculous thing we ever saw and we're like you're not you're not hiding it we can all see that she's pregnant <laughs> <laughs> they tried you I, gotta... would, I would be down for a next season where every time you see Kara, she's just holding a, a basket of pine cones <laughs> no reason <laughs> they never explain it <laughs> oh that's amazing. Uh, so Susan wrote in to say, Alex in Wonderland was one of the better episodes of the season. The show felt like its old self, an Alex story where she got to be badass, a Danvers family story, and some great Alex and Cara scenes. Not trying to jam too much into one episode. Now if only they could have figured out how to do it without the ridiculous wig or the ridiculous Kelly. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to say, I, I didn't think the wig was that bad. I mean, it was, it was wiggy. I, I I will grant you it was very wiggy, but it looked okay. it looked okay. Like I could buy it. I think one of your hiatus episodes should be ranking the wigs on Supergirl throughout <laughs> the seasons. Wig watch, <laughs> wig watch, hashtag wig watch. Uh, that could maybe be uh, arranged if anybody wants to share screenshots of the Supergirl wigs with us. We <laughs> will do that episode. Uh, well, Daryl uh, wrote in to say, quote, I find it hard to be concerned about William investigating Lex when they never bothered resolving the plot of William investigating Andrea. I realize it was a consequence of the crisis crossover, but it feels like they spent the entire first half of the season wasting our time, unquote. Uh, Daryl, that is yeah. completely fair. Uh, and I think it's a good point to remind us that he was investigating Andrea initially. So, And now Andrea doesn't seem to have anything to do with leviathan we're on episode 16 i still don't know how much andrea knows about leviathan like i know that she knows that like pencil skirt's an investor but does she know (laughs) that pencil skirt is in leviathan i don't know yeah because she was so she was so such a big part of that leviathan story in the first half because leviathan was sort of controlling her life in a way and now they're, they seem to be disconnected. And so as a character, I think I was more invested in Andrea in the first half of the season. And now I'm like, Andrea, you need to get a hold of your people fixing these patches. <laughs> like that, that's what I'm more concerned about with Andrea at this point. Whereas in the first half of the season, I was like, 
really into her relationship with Lena. I was into her connection to Leviathan and her uh, love interest with Russell. And now I kind of don't care. So I think it's unfortunate, uh, even for Andrea as a character, is that all of the interesting things about her have sort of gone away. I think Crisis really threw a lot of the writers' rooms on the various shows into chaos. And some did better with them. Um, if you watch Batwoman at all, they did something really awesome with that and it didn't affect it terribly. But then other shows like The Flash and Supergirl, you're like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. You had to write around that, didn't you? (laughs) Crisis is such a fun idea. Like, it's a cool epic story, and then you get to where you have to deal with the consequences, and it's like, oh, my brain hurts. I don't like this. Why did we do that in the first place? (laughs) It's very confusing. It's very confusing for us personally. (laughs) Yes. uh, They should have corrected it and made it easier for us. Just for us to understand. So before we wrap up our feedback, we're going to need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Um, Our first set of snap judgments come from uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui. Actually, it's just one snap judgment. Um, Okay. You are in the run. uh, You are in the run from an evil organization. What do you do? A, wait in the woods for your daughter to find you. (laughs) I think that's going to be the wrong choice. (laughs) B, (laughs) B, join an even bigger organization to help you fight the previous one. Or C, Go chill in Peru doing charity work and never call your family. Uh, Danny, what's your choice? I mean, I got to go with B. Join an even bigger organization to help you fight the previous one. I think that's your only choice, really. I mean, Peru sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) And and I mean, we haven't established how much do I like my family in this scenario. That's true. That is my answer. uh, Because apparently, Jeremiah, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So I'm going to go C. Uh, So uh, from at Danvers Girls, if you were to go into VR for a break from the real world, would you become Supergirl or a treasure hunter? Uh, Supergirl, straight up. Yeah, I think I would be Supergirl. I think you got to go Supergirl. I can fly if I'm Supergirl. I can't fly if I'm Indiana Jones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get a cool boulder, but no flying. Yeah. Um, So from Gina, we have a couple snap judgments. First one. Uh, more Alex as Supergirl in the VR world with Kara involved, or more Alex and Kara conversation about Jeremiah's death in the real world. I'm going to have to go with Alex and Kara conversation about Jeremiah's death in the real world. Yeah, I also would go Alex and Kara conversation about Jeremiah's death in the real world. Yeah, I'm going to go the same one. Okay. Cat Grant's office decor, or... Andrea's office decor. I would say Cat Grant's office decor. I really like it. I really don't like Andrea. I don't like what she did to that office. James messed it up, and then Andrea <laughs> messed it up even worse. So I'm gonna go Cat Grant's office de- decor. She had the she had the big wall of monitors, and now they're gone. So I'm I'm gonna be contrary, and I'm gonna go Andrea's office decor. It's like it's very like trendy and millennial pink and like <laughs> everything's pretty and honestly cat there was too many monitors in there i wouldn't have gotten any work done i would have just been watching uh hd tv on every single one of those <laughs> monitors just finding out if they were gonna love it or list it like <laughs> 
how am I supposed to tiny house hunters on everything? <laughs> you, you you wouldn't put Love is Blind on there? Oh, definitely Love is Blind would be on one of the monitors. <laughs> It'd be all of my reality shows and no actual news. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, I think I've got the hot new topic. I want to write an article about tiny houses. <laughs> oh god, tiny house hunters. I cannot even handle that show. Oh god, they always want to put like a family of six into like 300 square feet. I can't. Their first question when they walk in is always or the first thing they say when they walk in is, "Huh, this is smaller than I thought it would be." It's a tiny house. What do you think it's going to be? And then their second thing is where do I store my kayak? Where do I need your kayak? I, I've said this many times, but the worst tiny house hunters I've ever seen is like this this couple with like a newborn baby. And so, you know, all the tiny houses have lofts. Yes. And so they're like, how are we going to get the baby up to the loft? And a loft, and I swear I'm not making this up. They created a pulley system where the baby was in like a little basket and they just pulled a rope and the baby like went up in the air. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh. So that's all I would be doing in that office. <laughs> more Kelly William interaction or more over the top Jean and Brainy in VR worlds. Oh, more over the top Jean and Brainy because those two are chewing the scenery like no one's business, and I loved it. Brainy was really like he was Brainy times a million uh, in the v VR world, so I, I would go Jean and Brainy. Yeah, me too. I I liked how they were like I get to be kind of evil <laughs> and like really, really just chomp that scenery. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, <laughs> so our last snap judgment is from Anna. I'm not sure if I'm ready to read this. If I'm being honest. <laughs> and, wow. And you this and is quite I. A snap judgment. <laughs> you and I, we've gone on quite a journey, haven't we, Anna? And and I hope this one's not upsetting, but I know it's going to be. So let's just do, let's just do this now. Uh, for point of reference, all the other snap judgments are very tiny. Anna's is a full a full paragraph, like a novel paragraph. Okay, here it is. What's more likely? Lena uses her technology skills to disguise herself and watches Kara from afar as a stranger because she misses her so much and wants to be near her. Or Kara flying to Lena's apartment in the middle of the night, closing her eyes and softly placing her outstretched hand on the glass window as she pretends Lena's on the other side with her hand touching hers. And for a moment, Kara feels the loneliness vanish. <laughs> wow. So a, a nice chill one. For yeah. I, I feel like I feel like I've read that fanfic somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I would have to say probably um, Lena using her technology skills to disguise herself and watching Car from afar because I could. See, I mean, she's willing to take over everybody's brains, so why wouldn't she? disguise herself and go creepily watch uh Kara from far away that's a fair point uh but I also at this point I don't know if Lena wants to miss Kara I don't know I so I think I'm gonna go Kara flying to Lena's apartment in the middle of the night because I think even though that's a little hard for me to believe too Anna I don't know if either of these possibilities <laughs> really seem plausible but we have to pick one that's the game uh, so I'm going to say car flying to Lena's apartment in the middle of the night. So I, I, I know what mine is now. 
and it's Kara flying to Lena's apartment in the middle of the night. But here's my scenario. Kara flies to the apartment. She, like, puts her hand on the glass. Lena sees her, and she's like, oh. And she puts her hand on the glass, too, but like in Lost, when there's something written on it, <laughs> on her palm, on her palm, as she puts it on the glass, it says, I'm still mad. Pass <laughs> <laughs> it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I that wins it. I can totally see her doing that. No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Alex in Wonderland. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Danny, and, and coming on the podcast and talking about uh, Supergirl and Alex with us. Uh, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, they can find me in one of two places. So as I mentioned, I do have a podcast called um, Gay Gals Watch with my podcast partner, Devin. And it is basically two queer women who watch shows that have queer women in them. And so right now we're focusing on Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, and then Gentleman Jack from HBO. We don't do Supergirl, sadly, as Devin has stopped watching it <laughs> uh, from season three. <laughs> So she even knows the specific episode she stopped watching. So we just don't talk about it. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you can find me um, on Twitter. My, use, my personal username is at Zandani, which is X-A-N-D-A-N-Y. Well, everybody go check out uh, what Danny's doing over there. Um, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail uh, by calling 678-718-7252. And make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That is the deadline. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We also have a Spotify playlist that has music featured on and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser and on DC Comics' DC uh, fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And if you want to find uh, links to any of those things that I just mentioned, you can go to supergirlradio.com and find them on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, or just podcasts about it, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. Uh, I try to take some pictures and post some things over there. I haven't done it in a couple of weeks, uh, so n- now I need to get out during the quarantine business and uh, get to snapping some pictures. Uh, I did recently, however, hop on a live stream with our friends over Do Anything Media, uh, Bill Meeks and Anne Marie. And uh, so that they turned that live stream into a podcast episode of I Made This called Quarantine Edition. Uh, so if you want to know <laughs> of what I've been doing during the quarantine and how that's sort of affecting me personally and affecting my job, uh, there's a little bit of that over there. So go check it out. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast where we, uh, we are using this quarantine as an uh, as some time to actually 
schedule now, which is strange and confusing for us. <laughs> uh, we're like, wait, our schedules can actually align because we can't leave the house. <laughs> cool. So we did, a, I think a, last weekend we did a live stream. Um, so we might be doing more of those. We have a couple of fun things uh, planned for the little mini hiatus uh, on Legends and then probably some stuff for the much, much longer hiatus. So you should <laughs> check us out over there. <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on Alex in Wonderland. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And even though Jeremiah Danvers is dead, there's one thing we never doubted. Jeremiah loved his daughters. At, at least we think so, I think. I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs>